This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello, uh, welcome to the postgraduate podcast at the School of Language, Literature, Music and Visual Culture. I'm Dr. Sokjun Kim, School Director of Postgraduate Research at the University of Aberdeen. So this is our very first episode of the PGR podcast, and I'm excited to start our series by inviting Matthew Lee and Samuel Weaver to the program. Hi, both. Hi, Jun. Hello. So uh, I guess the, you two must be quite important. Uh, so that's why you are the first guest to our series. Could you um, perhaps introduce uh, to us the, who you are and what, what your role in our PG, PGR community? Well, um, Matthew, I think you have seniority over me, so I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if anybody is a senior to anyone else. Um, go for a more egalitarian approach, but anyway, um, so I'm Matthew Lee. I'm a fourth year PhD student now uh, in the School of Language, Literature, Music and Visual Culture. Uh, I've been a postgrad rep now for about a year. Uh, and basically in that role, I'm a kind of first port of call. If students want to raise an issue that they've got, um, that they, they feel that we could flag up with with uh, teaching staff. Uh, also help to run and organise the postgraduate forum, which is basically just an informal space both literal and figurative, um, that allows students to come together and socialise and share research and just kind of build that community. Excellent. So, uh, so, I, uh, so I take this, Samuel, you are starting uh, uh, your role as the PG rep uh, from this academic year, right? Yes, this is um, my, uh, no, first year from my, from my third year. This is my third year of, uh, of my uh, PhD. And um, I'm uh, uh, an English uh, PhD studying, in particular, uh, Renaissance literature and esotericism in relation to Renaissance uh, literature. And um, I, I want to uh, reiterate what um, Matthew said, is that I'm eager to um, uh, engage in a, a very supportive role uh, for uh, PGR students, because I have actually used uh, the the support structure that's here at, at the university and benefited from from reps and and student support myself, and I want to enable other students to use that if they need it and if it benefits them in their course. Excellent. So, uh, so uh, before we get into the uh, details of uh, you know the. PG representatives' roles and the PGR community and all other a bunch of questions and, and uh, topics that we will discuss. I think it's uh, it's good to know a little bit more about yourself. So you know uh, who who are you and maybe a bit of a background about the yourself before you started your journey to your PhD study. Uh, perhaps uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe Matthew, you can go first. Yeah. So. One of the things that I realised about the journey towards doing and finishing a PhD is that no two journeys are the same and that actually there's a lot of diversity in terms of the, the paths that people take to becoming a PhD student 
for my part, I mean, I went to the University of Strathclyde in 2006-2010, did a history degree, eventually um, started working for MPs, MSPs. In 2012, I moved down to London and worked in the House of Commons. And then after that, I worked in roles in the private sector doing public affairs roles. Got to about five years into living in London and realised that it was starting to wear a little bit thin. A little bit of a, a niche that I wanted to scratch about doing a PhD. I kind of started making some steps towards it after I finished my undergrad, but I decided against it in the end. But as I say, I had this itch that I, I kept wanting to scratch, and one day I just kind of decided that if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it at all. So I moved back home in February 2017, back to Glasgow, and then September 2017 started a, a master's course in Scottish history, University of Glasgow, with the, the view of with a view to doing a PhD and kind of wasn't totally sure about what I would focus on, but I knew I wanted to do a PhD and just happened to be in a seminar one day and we were talking about the Scottish Enlightenment. Towards the end of the seminar, we started talking about new research in the Enlightenment and different views on the Enlightenment, especially with it in terms of its relationship to colonialism and, and race and things like that. And I got interested in it, it just sounded like a, a fascinating topic and sort of delved into the, the whole world of Scotland and the slave trade. And then from there, I've not really stopped and I've been researching Scotland's historic connections to the slave trade and slavery in the Caribbean ever since. And that's kind of what I'm doing my PhD on, looking at the literary aspects um, of that relationship. So I suppose, again, just to reiterate, there, there's no one straightforward path to becoming a PhD student. And I think one of the strengths of our school is that the, the student body is diverse and brings a whole different range of experiences and um, perspectives. Wow, that's amazing. So the, uh, the, you, had a, you have had a kind of completely different life before you, you started your PhD life, I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right about that. I kind of have a, a pre and post PhD life, if you like. Um, but I, I think actually, and, and this is something that prospective students should should think about it as well as kind of like what skills do you have already that will feed into the PhD? So I'd already been working as a researcher, as I say, in the House of Commons and things like that. So I had a lot of the kind of basic research and communication skills under my belt. I've obviously developed them as, as I've been on the PhD journey. But actually what I was able to do was take professional skills and life skills from, from my kind of pre-PhD <laughs> life. Uh, and sort of uh, use them in my PhD life. So I think there's all sorts of uh, connections and things like that, um, and these are kind of mutually supporting. Right. Samir, so uh, the, how about you? You, you do have an like interesting pre-PGR um, life before you joined us? Mm, yeah, I actually yeah, I very much agree with, with Matthew that there's so many different um, paths uh, to take. And it's not actually necessary to go, you know, um, hires or sixth form to university and uh, do your undergrad and then your, you know, your MA or however it's done and then your PhD. Because I didn't, I, I did that straight out of, I, I, well, actually, I took a gap year and then I went to university to do classics. And then I actually dropped out halfway through. Uh, the first year wow. and went to um, work in primary health care. And so I worked in the NHS for a few years. Oh, really? Doing that. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And then I worked, I did some social care 
and then after I, I I wound some of that up, I I said kind of like Matthew said about if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. But I said that about my undergraduate years, and I I did well in my undergraduate years, and then I went on to do my MA, and then um, I actually took another year out, and um, I was actually doing a, a house sit up here very randomly in Aberdeenshire. And uh, I came to, um, I decided to research who was interested in the subjects I was interested in at Aberdeen University. And I found someone, my, my primary supervisor, and I decided to visit her whilst I was here. And everything just evolved from there. Uh, and so what I would say is that it's for anyone, you know, because I, I came as a mature student, it's really never too late. That's a, a well. This is quite interesting. So I guess the, this makes the three of us uh, kind of similar. Uh, although you know, the, each of us has um, has had a different path. But I myself, uh, I might I might have mentioned this to to you in another occasion. But I also uh, started my PhD quite uh, at a later stage. Uh, so I think that this kind of journey, and I uh, I think the both of you kind of highlighted that they often. Many PGR students they start their 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 PhD study not directly from say undergraduate and master's and PhD. I have, I have seen some who who do that, but often uh, many students uh, have taken a year or or two years off and doing something different, and then perhaps during those times and regain your uh, passion, I guess, or maybe find something some something that ticks you. And then that well, I, you know, I think, as yeah. Matthew said, uh, that you know he had a lot of experience in you know sort of politics and sort of quite sort of you know high level stuff, and it's um, it gives you that sort of uh, a, a little bit level of life experience and maturity to to bring something to whatever your research interest is, and that's not to take anything away from people that go straight through. Every year, um, I'm just uh, I'm just saying that it, it's it's fascinating um, to see that how many people can uh, become involved um, with uh, studies and producing um, original knowledge um, uh, from uh, levels of experience they gain from having had jobs and roles uh, in the world before uh, they beforehand so it's um yeah. yes i agree uh well the it's uh again it's, it's so good to uh hear your uh your background just before you start your phd journey and then uh i believe that you two are i guess the you two are to uh the kind of final stage of your phd isn't it uh i know that matthew you are in your third and final year and same goes uh, same goes for samuel you two as well I'm in third year. Yeah. Your third year. And Matthew, you're also in the third, third year, isn't it? I've now slipped into a fourth year um, because part of my funding involves doing uh, work placement. So it was always going to be th three years, six months. And then this thing called COVID happened. So I've kind of slipped into a fourth year. But I, I aim to be finished by next <clears throat> next spring or summer. Uh, let's talk about the journey, uh, journey to the postgraduate research. And along the way, the you know the 
uh, this uh, this peculiar life called the PGR life. I suppose before I got to start the PhD, there was the application process, which is is maybe worth thinking about as well. Mm. I, I suppose the kind of uh, normal and in inverted commas route into uh, an arts or humanities funded PhD is that person gets a germ of an idea about a topic that they're interested in. They kind of go off and they find some prospective supervisors. They talk to them. They work up a funding proposal. They submit it to a funding body like the Arts and Humanities Research Council. And they go through all the various internal competitions and then, you know, the, the external bit of the competition and you either get or don't get the funding. Mine's was slightly back to front in that Although I'm funded by the HRC, it's a collaboration between the university and the National Library of Scotland. So my supervisors, both at in the university and the NLS, had already devised the project about Scottish literature and slavery and then put an advert out looking for someone. So I, I was kind of presented with a pre-packaged project and went and interviewed and succeeded. So in some respects, the, the cart was before the horse. Uh-huh. I suppose that goes back to the point that, that Samuel and I made earlier, that there's no one path towards doing a PhD. Um, and actually, this kind of collaborative uh, route is becoming more common. In terms of the, the actual PhD journey itself, I think on, on day one, certainly I got a, a, a bit of kind of blank page dread, because you're kind of sitting here going, right, I need to write 80 to 100,000 words. How on earth am I going to do this? I, I think actually it's the kind of old adage about how do you eat an elephant piece by piece and, and to some extent you just have to start somewhere um, and so in, in conversation with my supervisor I was kind of expecting to do you know have to go away and read and read and read for six months or eight months or something like that and absolutely verse myself in every last dot and comma but actually the more we were talking the more we decided well, let's just, just start just pick a text that you want to talk about and just read it and read around it and start writing about it. So actually, my journey has been kind of quite iterative. I've kind of learned by doing, learned on the way. So I kind of started at the beginning and, and I've kind of developed a draft and now I'm going back over it. So it kind of took me, you know, for two or three years to get to a point where I had more or less all my draft chapters done and, and now really in the fourth year, mm-hmm. it's just about re- refining it. But, you know, in terms of, the twists and turns along this path, there's always going to be issues, there's always going to be um, kind of challenges, intellectual challenges, logistical challenges, you know, having to move around or not being quite sure how to, to move the project on. And sometimes it feels like, oh, I, am I failing at this? Am I doing it properly? But again, actually, I tend to find that when you talk to people, everybody experiences those things and, and you're not alone in that experience. And there is a kind of supportive network at the University of Aberdeen to help you with that. So Again, just to reiterate, I think I've learned a lot by by doing and learning on the job, um, and I've kind of enjoyed that kind of process. And I, I feel that um, over the last kind of three, four years, my work has also improved, um, and I've definitely noticed myself develop intellectually uh, and in other ways as well. So the P, the PGR experience for me has been on the whole positive. Mm, right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Samir? Yeah. On on the last point there, I think it's been a, a mainly positive experience, but. Again, back to the the different pathways. Um, uh, I actually applied for the AHRC and uh, didn't get it. Um, but uh, based on my application, I was offered uh, another um, studentship that was through the university. So I've I've found that very beneficial. It's 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 very bizarre how you uh, can come to uh, different ways of uh making sort of uh your sort of life uh <laughs> viable 
uh, at different times. But I think um, one of the key things I want to say again is I think the University of Aberdeen, out of all the universities, you know, I've been to has been um, probably one of the best at um, making sure that, um, well, especially over the pandemic, that um, you are sort of uh, supported while you're here. And if there's, you know, any difficulties that you might face, whether financially or to do with health or anything like that, they've been absolutely great. So I encourage anyone who's uh, considering doing a PGR course here to do it. Um, because you know that there's always going to be that support um, uh, for you. In terms of uh, my journey, yeah, I found it um, uh, quite difficult uh, over the the period of the of the pandemic uh, because I moved up to Aberdeen uh, just as the pandemic happened, and I thought I was going to move up here going to move up here um, and become a greater part of the PGR community. That's why I moved up, really. Uh, and that's why I want to take on this role to help other people become a part of that um, and, and and have a greater, a much greater um, sort of role um, with societies and things, uh, and, and things like that. But it was just, uh, we were just unable. Everyone was unable to do it. Um, and uh, and and I found that sort of very difficult over the past eighteen months. But if I can, in any way through this role, help other people to have a very successful time here and enjoyable time, then that's what I want to do. Yeah, I I'm trying to pick up on the what um, the Matthew mentioned that, that the process of uh, the process of, of a PGR research project so it's never it's never step by step isn't it so because although uh, from the university point of view and all all, all of those um, six months monitoring uh, process and annual review process all of these review process are in place kind of promoting the students to um, continue their PGR uh, research project is kind of step by step, and you know the and but but in many cases, it's not it's not working in that way. So, a you know it, as um, as Matthew mentioned, like uh, the writing of our first chapter, you know, in a satisfactory level, you had to you had to do you had to wait and you had to do and you very um, vigilant and then persistent for a year or two years to finally to get there isn't it so that the sense of uh, iteration and you know in maybe believing in yourself uh, believing in in the project and also believing in your supervisors and their feedback yeah, i actually think that, the, that it takes um two years to get that first chapter rather than rather than sorry rather than one year yeah um uh uh, because you've got to have that back and forth with your supervisor and, and establish that um, relationship. And I think that's really important to have a really good relationship with your uh, supervisor. Mm. So speaking of which, because the, uh, that's, that's actually uh, such a nice the, the back, backdrop for the, the next question. So we all know that the, even though those who are thinking about uh, doing a PhD, 
they also know that you know building a good relationship with your uh, supervisor is the most important. But but how can one do it? How do you how do you build a good relationship with your supervisor? How uh, how have you done uh, from your end? Well, yeah, Matthew, you go. Sorry, go first. Um, sorry, I spoke over you there. Um, so obviously, again, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't know my supervisors before I started my PGR journey. I responded to effectively a, a job advert and went for an interview um, with people from the National Library and with people from the university on the panel. Um, so again, slightly kind of cart before the horse because the kind of normal way of doing it in Vertacom is as you, you go and find your, your supervisor and you build up a rapport that way. So I suppose I was coming a little bit cold when I started. I think what you have to do is just speak to them with an open mind, uh, try to take on the feedback that they give you. Bear in mind that they're not necessarily your boss per se, uh, that they're there to advise you and to help you, but definitely to take on board what they say and, and try to sort of um, reap the rewards or, or, reap, or reap the benefits of their experience, given that they'll, they'll have done a PhD, they'll have written books, articles, so on. So I think that's the first step of sort of just tr trusting that your supervisor's got the experience and the knowledge and the expertise to help you. Uh, and I think also as well, just being enthusiastic and, and trying to be proactive and, and develop that rapport. If you see something that they think that they, they might be interested in reading, just drop them a quick email and say, I oh, saw this and thought of you. The little things that we do to, to build up relationships in any walk of life, and be it a job, be it a, in a kind of social context, and a bit like the PhD itself, I think that relationship with the supervisor is iterative. In my own experience, I've actually got four supervisors in total because of the, the, the way the funding uh, is set up. I've got two university supervisors and two library supervisors. So I, I've actually kind of benefited from that in that these four people have got quite different experiences. So I've got a, a literature specialist, someone who's actually a historian by trade, but is, but is in our, our school. Uh, on the library side, someone who has a, a PhD, a kind of interdisciplinary PhD in history and, and in Scottish literature, who's a, a manuscript curator by trade, and another supervisor who's an expert in rare books. So I've actually been able to kind of lean on different people at different times and use their experiences. So that, that, that's been really positive for me. Um, and I, I think that's um, to some extent quite unusual in that often a, a secondary supervisor, I feel like, will, will kind of just be there for bureaucratic purposes or maybe will drop in occasionally and, and offer some different perspectives. But I've been quite lucky in that my, my two university supervisors kind of work with me in tandem. And I feel like that's really strengthened the work overall. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a very good advice that you, Matthew, you gave us. And also in your case, it's a... It's a, it's a somewhat peculiar and different from maybe uh, many other PGR students, especially in the arts and humanities. Uh, unlike in the uh, in like like a science uh, disciplines, right, where uh, projects are already set and the funding often funding is already implemented, and they are looking for the doctoral students who can work with their already developed uh, uh, the project. So it, it, it your case was uh, something like that, isn't it? So they already had a project, they already set up the whole supervisory teams and partners, and you are being you are being interviewed, you are being interviewed, uh, being part of the project that has has already been set. That's a quite interesting um, way uh, to start the PhD, and uh, I'm sure that the 
working with uh, four different you, you said four diff, four supervisors four different supervisors and he uh, you know the um, uh, take stock of the their feedback sometimes their feedback might be coherent other times might be slightly different so you know negotiating and then uh, fully understand the, uh, their feedback from, uh, from their context that must be quite a uh, difficult thing to difficult thing to thing to do yeah i've been lucky in that overall there's, there's not been any you know massive disagreement between one set of supervisors and the other or one particular supervisor and the other everybody kind of works quite coherently as a as a team um and we do have to i i in particular have to be quite kind of proactive about that and make sure that we have meetings kind of once or twice a year with everybody there so that we can kind of just take stock and work out where we're at and so so i, I think it is a, a kind of it's, it's an interesting uh, and sometimes yeah, it can be a little bit challenging trying to kind of uh, reconcile slightly different pieces of feedback. But I think also um, if you think about making yourself ready for the job market, and I don't just mean necessarily the academic job market, but job market generally, if you can go to a prospective employer and say, I've got you know great team working skills. Here's an example. I've had four different PhD supervisors. I've managed to negotiate those uh, those different relationships uh, th then that's a really tangible example of how you can kind of deal with with people on a day-to-day -day basis so again i think there's kind of um mutually reinforcing aspects between a, a pgr journey and potentially a, a journey outside of academia and employment um because just as there, there's no one path into it, a pgr there's no one destination after you've finished doing your phd so i think it's important to bear in mind that you're building up skills that can be applied in lots of different domains mm. So what about you, Samir? Uh, do you have any uh, advice for the PGR students who are starting? Definitely. I think speak to them regularly, of course, just in general. Even if you haven't produced any work, just uh, engage with them and, and sort of think of reasons why if you're struggling with the uh, proposal that, that you produced. But um, my, I think my greatest error or mistake that that I regret from it, uh, that I always continue to work on, is that I, I very much valued the uh, opinion of my supervisors you know, very highly. And so sometimes I would, um, I, I, I wouldn't turn, I wouldn't turn in things every uh, two weeks because I didn't want them to um, judge me for what I thought of myself as being poor material. Um, and so I would say to myself, oh, damn, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do another two weeks on it and then try and turn it in after that. And, uh, and they both actually, they, they didn't care about that. It was, it was I who, who was caring about that as much. And, uh, and, and if you do that, uh, you end up getting yourself into a situation where uh, you're not getting you might not be getting enough feedback or or, or going in, in in the right direction uh, and that's quite an open way of, of putting it but but genuinely that's that that's how i feel that um uh, it, it was um it's it, it's a it's a mistake not to do that and i still do worry about um and and, and feel embarrassed about uh, the material that i produce but if you don't turn anything in um you know regularly and get that regular feedback so you can improve on it then you're never going to get anywhere so the one thing i would say to people coming in in the first in the first year is just turn um something in because they don't care they um 
if it's good or bad, they just want to show you how to improve. Yes, not necessarily. I guess that they don't care, but they care, of course. Yeah, but that, that's what, not, I didn't mean they don't care if it's like yeah. crash. Um, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the subject. But yes, do you yes. know what I mean? They want you to 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 go through the process and carry on doing yeah, well. Yeah. Yes, but I think there was something you mentioned is extremely important. The most frustrating things that I would, I would uh, experienced from. Uh, my my PGR students is when uh, they don't communicate. All the supervisors uh, are, have been have been through that process. They so we all and they all understand how one can be self-critical and how that can be really hurting themselves. So so you know, but if the PGR students if they do not communicate. Even just saying, uh, simply, you know, email, email, email me saying that oh, I'm struggling, and I think I'm struggling in this and this and this. Even if those are, you could say, like um, stupid things to say, having a conversation is way better than not having any. So the leaving, leaving supervisors yeah. in the dark. Well, well, June, that's why I said it, and that's why I'm trying to be so open in this. A conversation is because that was um, part of the mistake I made in my first year, and I'm getting much, much better at it at it over the years. Uh, but it, it would be the thing that I would say to a new PhD student coming in, feeling maybe a little bit anxious about the work, is just talk to your supervisor. I, I feel very, very lucky to have two of the best supervisors who would always who always communicate with me. So, you know, I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. The next question is the, what was the most difficult part? And also, what was the most satis satisfying part of being a postgraduate, postgraduate student? I think the most difficult part of it is probably, or for me anyway, is probably how self-starting you have to be to, to make a PhD work. Ultimately, the only person who's going to finish writing the thesis is the, the student themselves. And that does require kind of quite iron discipline to, with nobody kind of on your back to do it really, to every day get up and at least do something towards finishing the PhD. And it doesn't have to be that you sit and write 2,000 words every day. It might be that you read a journal article. It might be that you respond to some pressing emails, but whatever it happens to be. But I think that kind of long durée of having to every day kind of say, right, what am I doing today? Here's what I need to get done. And then going and doing it um, can be quite trying at times. Uh, and so I think it's important that people are willing to give themselves a break occasionally, do take a bit of time off, take a bit of stock, re replenish the batteries and then go again. Because it's not, a, unlike, say, a master's, for example, a top master's, particularly in the UK where you're doing it in one year, that's about a very intense sprint, just getting through it and just kind of wading through a, a huge amount of work. Whereas a PhD is much more like a marathon. It's that kind of slow burn, and it's been able to motivate yourself over that, that long period, three, four, maybe even five years, um, to get yourself to, to a point where you're ready to submit and, and, and to complete. Um, in terms of what's most satisfying, I, I think just seeing the, the development in myself 
in terms of my intellectual skills, my communication skills, my writing skills, the relationships that I've managed to develop with other students, with members of staff in the department and, and other bits of the university. And kind of coming in from from scratch kind of thing, not knowing, not knowing anybody from Adam and nobody knowing me, and, and being able to, to develop a kind of a network um, and to develop relationships with people um, has been really gratifying. And I've definitely made sort of friends along the way and, and found people that I would consider kind of mentors and things like that. So that, that's been a really satisfying aspect so far. Right. So the, uh, I think the, what Matthew mentioned, the, you know, some, uh, this one, be disciplined and there's some and kind of uh, some kind of work habit that you need to develop. That work habit needs to go hand in hand with the, uh, the habit of resting yourself, take a good rest as well. So I think there's a quite important element. I, I've often felt that I've uh, yeah. lacked that discipline or it's been, um, I've worked for um, an excessive amount of hours one week and then not done enough the other week um, over the, the lockdown period. And, and so it hasn't been um, as structured as I would have liked it to, ha- to have been. Uh, and I think that can be difficult because it's very much a sort of an up and down kind of mentality situation. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily always conducive to being successful or so. And, and that's why I think, you know, have, have, having a rep or having this, uh, the PGR society is good because it, 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 it can help um, in creating that little bit of structure just to make sure you, that you get things done um, in, in a structured way that is not detrimental. Um, because I think there are some ways to work that are positive, but there are some ways to work that can, that, that can be quite destructive. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the uh, you know the having a, having a really good relationship with your supervisors and getting getting the best support from your supervisors that's really important. But that's not only that's not the only the only thing that you need. You actually need a community, isn't it? Like the the PGR community where you can get help and support. I think in that regard, uh, you you. Uh, the role of you two as a postgraduate uh, representative uh, might be quite Im- important. So currently, what are you planning for our PGR community to help promote their own, you know, uh, the, the successful life as a PGR student? I mean, in terms of how the, the, the forum has worked in, in the past, when, when I first started uh, at the university, it was very focused on research papers people would come along and, and share what they've been doing in their PhD and people would ask some questions and it tended to kind of start and end there. More recently, the, the previous PG reps had changed things a little bit and made it much more informal and a bit more social, I would say. Um, obviously, the pandemic curtailed a lot of that. So last year, we, we hosted everything on Teams and really they were just informal get-togethers. So I think in, in broad terms, our basic plan is to try and do as much in-person stuff as we can, to try and make it as social as we can, and to try and make it as interesting and varied as we can. Uh, but ultimately, if students want us to do something else, then you know they're our boss effectively. We're, we're, we're there to, to reflect what they, their priorities are and what their views are. So 
it's up to the students themselves to, to try this thing and, and we'll do as they ask. Lovely. Um, thanks Matthew and Samuel for taking your time to talk to us. So this concludes our first episode of the PGR podcast. We'll come back with another episode in due course. See you then. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.